You are listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, where we take one idea or topic off the Focus Compounding website and share with you here on the podcast for free. To get access to other ideas or topics just like this one discussed today on the podcast, feel free to go to www.focuscompounding.com and be sure to sign up using the promo code PODCAST to get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever. Welcome back, everybody. How is everybody doing? Hope it's going well out there. My name is Andrew Kuhn. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today on the Focus Compounding Podcast. Sitting alongside, as always, my co-founder, Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Andrew. Jeff's doing great, and we're all doing great. So we really want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, We're happy to uh, be here. We are going to be going over Weight Watchers, which is a stock that Jeff invested in. Do a little bit of a post-mortem, which of course um, is probably a lot more important or equally as important as doing and reading about investing theses before the investment pans out. Before we do that, we just wanted to talk a little bit about the structure of these shows. Um, This is a post-mortem idea. The way we're going to structure it is we'll have current actionable ideas or actionable stocks or just some ideas on regular stocks in general. And we're also going to do certain topics like concentration versus diversification and our thoughts on that, spinoffs, value traps. Um, And then another topic that we're going to be doing is um, a little bit of a call for questions. Of course, we get tons of emails from people on uh, select questions that they have for us. So that is going to be another topic as well. Did I I miss some? Are we good? No, that's it. We're good. good. Perfect. So we're not talking about Weight Watchers as a stock idea now. Nope. We're talking about my history with the stock, when I bought it, when I sold it, and about the how good or bad those decisions were. Perfect. So that is what we're going to be discussing um, today. So we are going to be going over Weight Watchers. Uh, you wrote about Weight Watchers uh, when it was ter- trading at $32.13 back in October of 2013. So it was a couple years ago now. It's currently trading at $71.70, which is a $4.63 billion market cap and a six point three six billion dollar enterprise value so it looks like they have some debt as well mm-hmm. um you from looking i pulled up a past report you sold the position at nineteen dollars and forty cents mm-hmm. last you, year last year yeah and it looks like you bought it at uh well i guess when you originally wrote it so thirty two dollars and thirteen cents uh yeah i might have bought uh, it at a higher price around there personally yeah yeah so what what um what, what originally drew you to weight watchers how did you even come across the name Oh, I came across the name. I was working on doing Singular Diligence, which are these newsletter, uh, which are the stock reports that we have on the website now. Um, and I was working with someone. Uh, and the name is the. Sorry, not to cut yeah. you off, but for people, the uh, if they want to read the pot or the the post, it is on the website for people to see. Yeah, there's like yep. a ten thousand word report on it, um, which is the original one from you know four and a half five years ago now. Yeah. Uh, so I was working on it with Quan, who uh, is my co-author on those. Um, newsletters and uh he had looked at nutrisystem and we looked at nutrisystem and didn't like nutrisystem uh but we really liked um weight watchers position uh relative to other competitors in the industry and uh just figured that weight watchers was too expensive and we wouldn't get a chance to buy it and then it went from probably i don't know 80 dollars or something when we first looked at it to whatever 30 something when we wrote the report on it so it had actually dropped i would guess 50 percent or something pretty quickly when we looked at it why did it – do you remember why it fell? Was it just market volatility? I mean, that's a pretty big move. It might have been fears about what ended up happening. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, also, they did a buyback, a recapitalization of buyback. Um, the, the company's sort of run uh, – it has a major shareholder that you, um, sort of operates like a private equity owner. So what they do is they leverage it up every, I don't know, five years or so. They get it up to uh, – 
you know, maybe net debt to EBITDA of five or six times, something really high like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And they just buy back stock. And then they keep probably um, the same percentage position themselves. So for them, it works like a dividend. And for smaller shareholders, it works like a stock buyback. Mm-hmm. But they don't really care about where the stock price is. And so they did a buyback like that at a really high price. So that may have also had part of an impact on driving up the price. Wow. So and then what drew you to the company then? Was it just it's over? Did you like the industry itself? I mean... No, I don't like the industry itself. Yeah, I like the company's position in the industry. So Weight Watchers is um, a very effective way of losing weight. And uh, we compared a little bit in the um, report to like Alcoholics Anonymous in terms of how it works. Uh, you know, all diets work, but it's just a question of how long people stay on it. And it's been successful in having people stay on longer. Um, and it through a lot of the psychological sort of things of group meetings and some of the things like that um so there's a tendency it's almost all women uh you know they went online and so they've had some men probably more so online but in in the group business it's largely women and um i would say that you know i forget the exact statistics when we wrote about it but it's not uncommon for someone to go on it four or five times in their life you know for to reactivate so were they selling? I, I'm not. Too, I don't know the products, right? I mean, mm. I obviously had no Weight Watchers and everything. But do, do they sell? Is it like Nutrisystem where they sell meals, or is it more Actually, just like diet plan and all that sort of stuff? So it's mostly a subscription, like a, a plan um, where you are going to meetings. Um, that was their biggest business when we invested in it. Um, they do sell uh, uh, food and products at those meetings too, and they also uh, license the name to things. Like if you go to the supermarket, you'll see some things with the Weight Watchers name on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and they had a big online business too. Interesting. So okay, so it, it you said it was up at right eighty dollars per share or something like that. I would we, guess something like that. Really and then bad. you wrote about it at thirty two dollars a share, mm-hmm. and then which you kind of bought it somewhere in the around 30s, there. Yeah. If you uh, give a few, uh, take a few percentage points. Um, and then what happened from there? Oh, so when we wrote about it, they had already they either suspended the dividend or I don't remember if they suspended it right before our report came out. Um, I researched a stock for a while before I am able to put out a report on it, obviously. So I would have been looking at it for a while. Um, and uh, they ran into some big problems. And uh, they started having big drops in the number of subscribers that they had. Um, and so when that happens in a business like this, that means you can predict that revenue will be down next year. Sure. There's a lot of operating leverage, so you can predict that earnings will be down a lot. And the stock really gets hammered when that happens. And it was already heavily shorted when we wrote the report. Very heavily shorted. Uh-huh. And then what, um, okay, so then, and you owned it for a very, so at that point, obviously, you were just, did you like double down on it at all, or did you just no. sit and take it? Yeah. Mm-mm. No. Uh, so it was all at that same cost, whatever that cost is, uh-huh. is for me personally. And then I remember, because I remember back in, I don't, this is, I don't even know when Oprah came out, but I remember when Oprah came out, was that like the bottom? That was for, the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you so, own, still own it at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the stock dropped. I would say the I think that the lowest point I was about four dollars or something, but it wow. may have hit that briefly. Jeez. Like we just mentioned that I bought it, I think a higher price than the report came out at, but that would have just been because the stock was volatile. Mm-hmm. I intended to buy as soon as you know the report came out. Um, four dollars to seventy one dollars. That's a that's a nice return though. If yeah, you, if you caught that bottom, what did we say that I sold? Yeah, uh, it's I think it's a, yeah nineteen dollars and forty cents yeah. a share. So since then, uh, from yeah. Um, and and just held cash between March and October, 
And I think between March and October of last year, it went up. The gain might have been 200%. I'd have to check, but something like that. So, And I didn't buy anything with it. I just said in cash between then. You know, it's kind of funny. It's a bit off topic, but, you know, like Alan Meckham, for example, he's owned a lot of his stocks so many different times throughout, like, Mm -hmm. his career. It's so interesting how, like, Weight Watchers is probably not a compounding machine. Right. But the return you could have made obviously could could have should have would have right but from like four to the 70s crazy but it just shows that you can make a lot of money just kind of trading based upon or investing based upon like volatility that mr market gives you you know yeah and um several people uh read my report and did much better in stock than i did (laughs) some did worse yeah some did worse unfortunately some bought at at about the price that i did and sold in in the single digits because didn't somebody i think when you put out that you were selling it didn't somebody write you a long email about why they were going to hold on to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember you mentioned yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's been a couple of that. There's another one I can't really uh, link to it or anything because it's now behind a Seeking Alpha paywall. Uh-huh. But uh, originally I did link to it, and um, it was right up by someone who I know uh, a little bit. And um, they read my old report years later. Mm-hmm. And this is when the stock was really cheap. I forget if it was in the uh, teens or something in mm-hmm. price then. or you know It recovered a little bit from whatever the low was of $4 or something. Uh, Oprah was in the, the stock now, nice. and um, they read the report, and in part based on, they said, you know, I think that the long-term ideas that he has about this company having a moat and stuff is right, yeah. and now it's a turnaround, and now I'm going to invest in it as like a turnaround, because, which is a difference in strategy, because this person um, is not a, like, invested in a high-quality business, hold it for a while person. Uh-huh. They're more interested in something like a special situation, like a turnaround. Yeah. So they said, oh, this is a better business than I thought it was, and, wow. you know. Um, and this is not the only time this has happened to a stock that we wrote about. Um, we did a report on Fossil, and that experienced a very similar huge drop and now somewhat of a recovery. Well, a big re- you know, in percentage terms, if you got the very bottom, it's a huge recovery even when it's down a lot. Like I said, whatever we said I sold at, well, that's what four times from the very bottom. Yeah. So if you happen to buy in at that moment, you know. So um, why did you end up selling out at $19.40? Well, that's a very good question. Why did I? <laughs> a big part of it is I thought I was going to buy something else. Okay, so, so I really it's... believed. I sold at the, that time Weight Watchers and um, Babcock and Wilcox Enterprises, which is the other part of the Babcock business that I bought. For, I really wanted BWX Technologies. I still own that. Mm-hmm. So I got out of both those businesses in part because I thought I was going to buy something else. I was looking at some different stocks at that time, and I really believed that I would buy something, and it turned out that I didn't buy anything. So was it more it was more like opportunity cost then instead of like getting squeezed out? Well, I would like to believe that that is um, what it was, but obviously I think that part of it is t- that it was a decision to sell to be rid of it, you know? Yeah. Because it could have just held on to it. It wasn't a huge percentage by then because obviously it dropped a lot. So other stocks and um, How much did you lose on it? How much did I lose? About 50%. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, let's say, I don't remember the exact percentage it started at, but I would guess it was probably 12, let's say, I would guess 12 or 13% of my entire uh, portfolio mm-hmm. lost. And you I, held it for like four years, like before mm-hmm. we said. Something yeah. like that, whatever. Yeah, from 2013 to 2017. Um, so, yeah, three and a half years or something like that. And, yeah, I would guess that I probably lost 13% or something on that um, one stock. Well, That's probably true. So then, so Oprah came out. Which was pretty much the bottom. At that point, yeah. did you think the stock was actually going to zero or were you kind of... No, I actually didn't. Uh, it's funny. Some people talk to me. I mean, it could have gone to zero, mm-hmm. obviously. But uh, some people talked to me and I wrote some emails to them doing the math of saying how crazy it was that the stock was at like $4 but or even $8. What was the trade on like a multiple like valuation basis? Like, Do you remember... 
at that point? From the time we bought it on, it may have been, I mean, for most of that period, it would have been a single digit PE Whoa. the whole time. Um, but then you knew things were going to get worse next year. So it was heavily indebted. Um, and But the issue was if it recovered, it wasn't going to recover to, you know, $6, $8, $10. Uh, it was obviously going to recover at a lot higher price. And so when you kind of did the math on what was being priced in in terms of the bankruptcy risk, it was really high. Um, and I thought that was a little excessive. But I have to say that um, this company really could have failed um, if credit conditions had been different. I really believe, and that's a thing that I'm pointing out, that even it, it's not just a question of me hold, that I should have held on to the stock as being the mistake. It's also a mistake that if you buy into a business that actually has that much solvency risk, mm-hmm. If this had been a 2008 type situation, this company would have gone out of business. Wow. You know, it was only because credit was really loose. People were really willing to lend this company money and um, uh, they were able to have very minimal restrictions in terms of their debt. Uh, So I think that that's just, you know, you don't want to bet on a company that has that kind of solvency risk. And we knew that the debt was really high. You think, especially when. Because you're a concentrated investor, I mean, ten to thirteen percent may be smaller for you, I guess. I mean, it's still a big position though for a lot of people. It, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, my position was twenty five percent. Oh, I thought I'm you said it was ten. Lo- to, oh no, no, I lost. Like, oh, I thought you probably, said it was ten to thirteen percent of your portfolio. I don't remember at the, time. the exact. I'd say yeah. twenty or twenty five percent. Oh, wow, so it was it. big. Yeah. So in terms of the loss, mm-hmm. it was in terms of the loss in terms of percentage terms, it's the biggest loss I've ever had. Wow. Okay. And also in terms, obviously in terms of dollar terms, because the portfolio tends to go up over time. So uh-huh. sure. your most recent loss is often your biggest loss. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Okay. So you then, so you ended up selling out mm-hmm. because of opportunity cost or whatever. We're wanting to get rid of it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a <laughs> question about the psychology of it, of not staying in it you yeah. know, longer after that. Yeah. And then you, um, and then from there, the stock has gone up to 71, which kind of surprised me, honestly. The, I, I remember I came across Weight Watchers a while ago as well. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't even know if there's any correlation to it, but I never did any more research in the company because I, there's a huge YouTube community for fitness, right. which is, is pretty interesting because it's it's free, essentially, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. I guess you pay for it by watching ads or whatever. But um, I follow a lot of fitness community on YouTube and, and there's such a plethora of information out there. So right. I always thought like Weight Watchers, like who, well, you know, it's yeah. kind of interesting. Well, well, that was always an issue that we had from the very beginning. And this is interesting because we've had this problem. Quan and I had this problem when we're about a couple of different companies. Uh, we really ran into a big time with Western Union, DreamWorks, and um, uh, and Weight Watchers. Also a little bit with America's Car Mart. And it's that the group of people, well, first of all, people, as you probably know, overwhelmingly everyone who's a subscriber to our um, newsletters, reports, reads the blog, probably listens to this podcast, overwhelmingly male. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly. Yeah. And uh, many are, we have people who are foreigners from other countries, but we don't have a lot of people who are recent immigrants to this country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have a lot of people who were born in this country, grew up there, who are men. We have people from other countries listening. We don't have a lot of people who belong to certain groups like for instance, middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. And middle-aged women, overweight middle-aged women, is the entire 80 90% of Weight Watchers. Sure. And so it is an issue of trying to get understanding how they see the world True. and what works and doesn't work and getting away from the idea of how other people might approach it. Like yeah. Nutrisystem did better with men on some things yeah. with a program that was very different from a program that worked for women. Mm-hmm. Weight Watchers, even in terms of getting men, was able to do it with their online program, not able to do it with their meetings, especially because if you go to a meeting and it's... 90% women. Sure. A lot of men won't keep going back to those meetings. Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
No, that's interesting though, because I mean, the way you put it like that, it's like, yeah, I mean, probably middle age, overweight women aren't, aren't going to go to YouTube and watch younger bodybuilders about fitness, just like I wouldn't go to Weight Watchers to right. learn about a place that's, you know, uh, mainly overage um, sure. and women. Yeah, that's and then interesting. The other thing I should point out is we knew that free stuff doesn't work. So this is a complicated issue. But basically, if you take anything that you could lose weight on and you have to pay for it, the same exact thing, like what you're talking about with YouTube, say you had to pay for that, uh-huh. $5 a month, Yeah, you'll lose more weight, you'll do better by doing that than if they made it free because your commitment to it is higher because you're paying for sure, it. Sure, so there's a little little of a psychological yeah. so things like my fitness power taking off mm-hmm. uh, when we were uh uh writing the report on the stock and then i use my fitness pal it's pretty good mm-hmm. yeah and but we wrote a lot about how we knew that weight watchers would be more effective and that there would be a huge trial of these sorts of um products but that people wouldn't stick with it so like for an app for instance a lot of times you get information about how many times it was downloaded onto people's phones mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. What matters is a month later how many people actually used it each day Stick or each it. week sure. or something. Yeah. yeah. And for some things, it's 90% of the people are gone, you know. And and we knew that that would happen with a lot of these things. Uh, we also had some information from some past times. I wish we had more of it, like the Atkins diet. Mm-hmm. So you're too young to really remember this. Wait, is, that, Atkins, is that no carbs? I can't remember. Is yeah, that no it carbs. Is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I love um, my carbs. Uh, and it was – but it was – maybe the biggest it was the biggest ever diet fad mm-hmm. it was estimated that one time over 10 percent of every adult american was on the diet if you think about that that is insane <laughs> if you think about that that's crazy yeah well weight watchers was badly hurt when that happened sure in addition to and people like joke about this now about some of these companies that said that they were hurt um you know companies that had products that involved bread and pasta and things that they were hurt by this like investors didn't believe them but in that year when it first happens, when everyone's on the diet, it really does hurt you. Sure. And that's what happened to Weight Watchers. And so we we did think that it would um, recover from that. The problem was financially whether it would be able to survive the period long enough. And I think that's the issue. I didn't pay enough attention to the debt. And that's where um, – and obviously now the company is worth – the shares are worth less because mm-hmm. Oprah got a bunch of shares at a very low price, diluted um, sure. shareholders. Do you remember how she bought? Because – it, she bought shares plus she got options. Yeah, it was and, and she's on the she. The, yeah, she was, became spokeswoman yeah. and joined the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Oprah. So, um, yeah, well, definitely. Uh, so it was a terrific investment for her. Yeah, obviously, yeah, and a big investment too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even in terms of she's a very rich woman, but even if you just do the math on how much she put into it, uh, it actually was a me- very meaningful investment by her financially. Do you was, remember the exact number? No. But was, you remember it being a lot, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's not Warren Buffett rich. Yeah. So it was a real bet on it, yeah. Um, but because she understood it, I think. Yeah. That's a thing um, that she really understood well. And so the, the big problem with Weight Watchers is that um, – th- so we, we've talked a little bit about some of the stocks that I own now, things like uh, Frost, mm-hmm. which has um, – at least after you've been a, a customer for a year or two, probably 90% or more customer retention rate. Sure. BWX Technologies, you know, some of those contracts run 10 years Long and stuff, term. but the ones with the Navy and stuff have been since the 1950s. They haven't gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most everything that I own now has very high retention rates. Mm-hmm. And many of the stocks Maybe I NACO. talk about, uh, I, NACO has 13 to 28-year yeah. contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Weight Watchers, the average person stayed for nine months wow 
and that was actually better than the industry. I was going to say that's on the scale of like comparing it to those other things. That's nothing, but yeah, that is that seems like yeah. it would be bigger than or longer. And they spent several hundred million dollars a year on advertising. Yeah. Which at the time that we bought in, in terms of like if you divided advertising by market cap, it is insane how much the company spends each year to advertise versus how much value there is in in the brand in the public market. You know. Jeez. So um, it it did teach me about two things really which i think were important um one about the risks of solvency um just not buying into something that could be in a position where it have to issue a lot of shares or could be taken over by by creditors like an example is when people were talking to me about well could this business ever go away Mm -hmm. could the weight watchers brand be worth nothing and stuff i said no but i warned them bondholders you know uh, in this case bank loan uh, holders uh could be the ones that end up with all that value sure you know basically yeah. in the end at the, the very order, end you'll yeah. be distressed debt investors yeah. who end up uh, owning this company mm-hmm. and that's not what happened but it could have been uh but at some point it was going to be public again and valuable it's just that your shares might not be and in this case what happened is actually oprah mm-hmm. ended up making some money at the expense of some pre-existing shareholders what a nice catalyst huh mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was a, it was a nice catalyst yeah jeez. um so yeah, and uh, and this was also public. I, I told I this was not just that it came out in a report, but I also talked about it on the blog and stuff. Yeah. So it was publicly known that I own the stock, and a lot of people followed me into the stock. Which that could do you think that added or detracted from your decision to? Oh, to, I think it sell. added for me to sell. Yeah, yeah. I, I just be done with it. When people talk about does it make you a better investor or worse, um, writing about things, yeah. Weight Watchers is the kind of thing that makes it worse. Yeah. I do. I I could be deluding myself, but I do honestly believe that I likely would have held the stock um, if I didn't talk about it. It is interesting. The stocks I talk the least about are the ones I feel most comfortable holding the longest yeah. well, time. Because you feel confident in the work you've done. Mm-hmm. Other people, if they've not understood the situation like you do, they don't see it like you do, but they just kind of rode your coattails into it and, and, and followed mm-hmm. you into it. And then all of a sudden they're emailing you a ton about it and everything. I'm sure that definitely adds to the... Sure. You know, makes yeah. it tougher. And I don't have answers to some of the things. Like some, a lot of things that people would email would be, well, subscribers are down 20% this year. How do we know they're not going to be down 20% next year? Yeah. I don't I don't know. But I don't, you know, I don't know that to anything. I don't. I can't tell you that the next Marvel movie that comes out won't be 20% fewer people watch it than last time. We don't know those things. You yeah. know, I, and then subscribers started going up. I didn't know they were going to go up until they started going up. Yeah. You know? Um, so you can watch it both on the way down and the way up to see what that was like. Um, I do recommend like you go to someplace like probably corner of Berkshire and Fairfax. Mm-hmm. Um, you could f- probably somewhere on it find uh, the Weight Watchers uh, thread there to get an idea of what people were talking about with that um, as it was happening. Because yeah. those um, – and there might be some write-ups on Value Investors Club, maybe shorts or something on that. It was a very heavily shorted stock. Which is interesting because people also talk to me about that, if whether I regretted it, um, like whether I added to my um, changes in my investment process, taking into account how heavily shorted the stock was. And the answer is no, because Quan and I looked this over and tried to break down like every different thing about what went well in some of our investments and what went badly. And the problem was heavily shorted stocks Unfortunately, like people, the way that people remember it when I talk about it mm-hmm. is that when I've invested in heavily shorted stocks, they've done badly. <laughs> but when we looked at the numbers, some very successful investments have been heavily shorted. Actually, the, what they haven't been is middle of the road, uh, nothing much happened with the stock. Mm-hmm. They've been some of the biggest winners and the biggest losers are these heavily shorted stocks. Wow. Um, I guess yeah. that's where you could get probably huge moves too. 
well, I mean, a lot of why it went from four to yeah. seventy something is because it was heavily shorted for a long time. Yeah. People had to cover their shorts at some point. Momentum was going in the other direction. You yeah. had all sorts of different people owning it for that reason. Wow. Well, great. Any last thoughts on the company? Any final takeaways that you you sort of uh, added to your mental toolkit? Yeah, I would say that um, from the time that we uh, that I bought it and wrote down the report and talked about what we thought they would hit. Right now, they're guiding for I think 2020 to look exactly what we originally thought 2018 would look like. Oh wow! Okay, the end of maybe sometime in 2020 to look like the end of what we thought. Do you remember what share price you priced it at? I didn't look at the. Oh, you can look at what the appraisal. See, that's another thing that changed though, because the shares outstanding have changed. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the appraisal. Well, see, that's another thing. The, we didn't have a huge margin of safety in this um, in terms of the appraisal price. Uh, I don't know. Can you see the report where the appraisal Let's price see. is? Yeah. Sorry. So, um, because we thought it was a high quality company, I bet we bought it at. So you thought you were buying like a fair comp- or a good high quality company at mm-hmm. like a fair price? Yeah, yeah, it has practically infinite returns on capital, very high free cash flow. Um, had been a very predictable company, as we pointed out in the report. I think we showed in the report that it actually, over the last ten years or so, had more stable operating margins than Google. Well, wow. yeah, well, and it will again once it has these subscribers back. But in the in between, it went down to almost. Uh, nothing. But although that's an issue too, I, we were looking at operating margins. And I should point out that if this company didn't have debt, the stock never would have moved like this. The operating margins still held pretty well because, like I talked about marketing, they slash marketing by an incredible amount. Um, because if it's not working, then you stop you stop advertising. So there were a lot of fixed expenses that they got rid of um, too. Uh, you appraise yeah, it at sixty three dollars and forty cents. So it's above our appraisal value. Now. Yeah, and you yeah. so you wrote about it. Whatever I said, thirty nine dollars or whatever, okay, thirty two. Yeah. yeah. So your margin of safety, you put twenty nine percent. Because we're uh, our margin of safety is calculated off the enterprise value. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Wow. So just so people understand <laughs> the math there, how yeah. a double a, a double is uh, only thirty percent margin of safety. That's why because the debt. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's even past where we valued it at. So, in fact, now the enthusiasm for it is greater than we really ever uh, intended to have. I mean, because you obviously probably – that was probably a scenario that you didn't foresee happening, obviously. Yeah. Oprah. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting is, like I said, in many ways, I think that at the end of 2020, um, it may really look like we expected it to be at the beginning of 2019, mm-hmm. which in the grand scheme of things – you know, the problem is, like, uh, we didn't predict how it would trade. And we didn't predict, like, the financial risks involved with it, like Oprah getting involved and everything. But when you really think about it, our estimates for the business um, are right on, were, pretty much were, right on track. Were, yeah. were, you know, uh, closer than you'd think. Yeah. Like, they're off by a few years, but it's basically the, the business that we thought it was just a little bit later. That doesn't have a huge difference in terms of, like, a DCF of the value of the company. Sure. The problem is what happened in between. But I think that really shows you the what can happen in, uh, to a stock and not the business, and also what can happen to a business with an incredible amount of leverage because this had financial leverage and operating leverage. But it also is weird because it shows you that unlike, uh, I, you know, if you look at like EV to uh, EBIT or or, or, or um, EV to sales or something, it was often it like at the time when you would think it wasn't priced for recovery when it was in a really bad situation, mm-hmm. and it's not priced for um, a reversion to the mean now, like it's priced quite optimistically now. Sure, yeah. the multiples are actually higher now than they were at the bottom. So you have the cyclical thing happening, and yet it wasn't priced like a cyclical. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a big issue that we see a lot. Um, 
And so I just think this is incredibly volatile stock. It also shows you how difficult it can be to own a volatile stock because sure. of some of the volatility of that probably had an effect on me selling it when I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely that compounded with, um, you know, writing about it publicly and getting emails. I wanted about it to not talk about it anymore with people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so selling out of it is a good way to say I'm done yeah. with the stock. It's kind of like it's kind of like Bill Ackman when he said about Herbalife and one of his most mm-hmm. recent um videos or whatever he's like this is the last time i'm publicly talking about herbalife yeah i wish that i could say that uh, like with, with um weight watchers or something uh that's definitely true well, we're, we're we're burying the hatchet right now <laughs> okay last time you're ever gonna publicly <laughs> talk, about, gonna probably talk about weight watchers. last okay. time that's perfect any final thoughts no uh that, that's that's it, that's it. Yeah. well we really want to thank everybody for tuning in today you are listening to the focus compounding podcast feel free to sign up using the promo code podcast to get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever. And we'll see you in the next one.